Welcome to Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. We uh, have embarked on a series of episodes and really focused on emerging technologies, um, AI, digital twins, machine learning, really all of these technologies that are speeding to every sector of the economy. And of course, engineering is um, not uh, immune from this. And uh, in a couple of weeks back, we talked about AI and kind of where it is and, and chat GPT and, and, and really how the technology is developing. And the more that we talked about it after the show, we realized that one show is not enough to actually get into this uh, to really give it the respect that it deserves. So we decided to do a series. And this is the second episode in that series. And what we're doing is talking about instead of the technology itself, because everybody knows, you know, it gets a handle on exactly what the technology is. But it's one thing to understand kind of what AI is right now or ChatGPT or whatever you want to call it and however it's, it's being implemented. It's one thing to talk about the technology. And it's another thing completely to talk about how do you use it? And from a business perspective, how do you really implement it and set the policies and procedures to make it successful within your firm? And and how do you do it in such a way where it, it is overall a net benefit? And to talk about this, I'm very pleased uh, to be joined by uh, Nathan Bingham. He is uh, the Chief Digital Officer at Power Engineers. Um, Nathan, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it today. Oh, happy to be here. So, Nathan, I you know, really to kick off, I mean, as Chief Digital Officer, you know, what's your overarching view of AI as a tool for the engineering industry? I mean, is it how do you fall? Do you feel, fall as, as, as feeling it's a threat opportunity? It's it's another tool in the toolbox. You know, where 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 do you come um, from on this whole issue? I'm I'm of the camp where it's a it's another tool in the toolbox. I'm I'm optimistic for it. I think there's a lot of value to potentially come from it. I though it's not a you know it's not going to solve all our problems. It's not a you know something that is necessarily I guess gonna I mean it is, I think it is revolutionary, but it's not going to necessarily change our world completely. And as someone in charge of really putting all the tools, all the digital tools together and making them work within a firm. I mean, how was, how did you go about approaching the technology and, and, and getting it implemented within the firm? Uh, what was that journey like? So we're, we're still in the journey to some extent, but, you know, we started it obviously earlier this year when, when chat GPT, you know, hit the market and, and I think had the fastest adoption rate of any technology ever. And at that point, we started, you know, thinking, okay, what 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 do we do with this? What does it mean? And, and I'm sure everybody else did. And um, we, I think, first made the assumption, and I think it's been a pretty good one, is that we're not going to stop the use of the technology. That we need to find ways to help guide proper usage and not just try to stop it. And, and, you know, we're, you know, nine months into the year, kind of nine months into chat GPT. And, and as I've gotten out and met with various people across the industry, I, I feel like that was, that was a 
good assumption, a good first step, because I've heard many people whose yeah, their policy is to not use it. It's been blocked on their systems. And then that's usually followed up with, but we found ways to get around that. <laughs> and so, um, so, so I don't think that not using it is really a, a good way to go, that people are, are going to use it. They're, they'll use it on their personal device somehow, or they'll, they'll figure out some way to get access to it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. People are going to use it whether it's going to be sanctioned or not. The question is whether you decide to make the uh, the affirmative step to get ahead of it and actually embrace it and put some controls around it. Um, yeah. I mean, how did you approach the policies that would allow members of the firm, you know, to implement chat GPT? And, and how did you start introducing it in the firm? You was at first for you know, limiting it to only, for example, marketing materials for RFP review. Um, you know, how did you kind of get the entry point for it? Yeah, so it's it's been challenging because the technology is evolving. I mean, there's been new updates and rollouts and features and capabilities as we have come through the year. And so initially, we started with trying to help our our employees understand what the risks of using it were. So education was the first step. Um, and, th and then that's the first thing we, we communicated to the companies. If you're going to use it, be aware of, you know, disclosing confidential information, be aware that it's not always correct. You know, it's using data that's two years old um, and trying to help the, those people who would be using it, understand what, what the limitations, what the risks and such were to use it. And so that's that's kind of where we started, knowing that we needed something more. And so our, our next step was to figure out, is there a way to help us or help our employees use it more safely? And that's where we started looking at, you know, initially the, the main way to do that was through an API into the software that if you used an API, you keep your internal information internal. It didn't get exposed to the you know, the greater chat GPT engines and wasn't used for external learning and all that. And so we, we started really pursuing and exploring that path and are, are still working on that. And we're developing a tool that is internal that will learn on our own data and interface with that API. Now, what's been, again, interesting is also in that time frame, I believe both Microsoft and OpenAI have both released but I think they're calling enterprise versions that that also now, you know, the the terms and conditions are that that data would stay internal. So so because it's evolving as we're trying to create structure and guidance, the whole the whole everything's changing as we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, it seems like it's it's kind of the yeah, it's, you know, it's like the Wild West, but not really. I mean, it's just it's just you're ahead of the curve. Right. It's like the company. It's almost like to a lesser degree, you know, during covid. And you had some rudimentary, you know, uh, teams, online teams, you know, software and, you know, Zoom apparently, you know, got the market share. And then all of a sudden they start rolling out all the different things that you would want to have a mature software product, but they didn't have the time to do it because adoption was so quick and everybody started mm -hmm. using it. that They had to play catch up. But of course, with Zoom, you're not talking about disclosing confidential information on an open source um, program which is designed to capture data, right? Because AI is only as good as the data that's actually input into it. So 
Um, you know, how, I guess, how, how robust do you feel these initial controls are uh, coming out of Microsoft and, and, and the other, the other companies that are trying to make these enterprise uh, products? Oh, I, boy, I don't know that I can comment on how robust I think they are. What we've done, the you know, is we've, you know, we're a Microsoft uh, shop. So um, the Microsoft implementation being, I think I can't remember what exactly they call it, but the being chat GPT implementation, you know, is, you know, kind of rolled out to us almost unbeknownst to us that we had that capability in the enterprise version. So on policy wise, what we've done is again directed our in- employees to you know, if they're going to use chat a chat gpt or you know large language model to use that bing option that gives us that enterprise version while in parallel we still continue to work on our internal version and you, you'd asked previously about policies um we you know we connected up with our legal team and, and spent quite a bit of time with them and with our security cybersecurity team and talked through you know, is a policy needed? Um, and, you know, what we were concerned about was disclosing information, you know, proprietary information and, you know, putting the company at risk. And the way we ended up approaching it was that we didn't feel like there was necessarily anything new as far as risks go. Now that it was a new tool where you could do it. And so we actually, at the end of the day, end of the day did not implement a new, you know, create a new policy. What we did was create guidelines that, again, highlight the risks and um, things to be aware of. And then we referenced the existing policies that already had, you know, things about you know, our employees that already agreed to these as far as keeping information confidential and, and those types of things. And so we just highlighted, look, you've already agreed to these policies, existing years condition of employment. Um, there's this new tool and AI will and we kept it open, not just. You know, chat GPT, but AI is going to provide opportunities to potentially, you know, allow you to easily breach those policies or break those policies. So, you know, be aware of these things. Here's those policies for reference and just make sure that as you're doing that, you know, look to us for guidance to help you not get into trouble here. And so really we released it as a guideline that references existing policies that already kind of cover the legal basis on what we were we were concerned with which goes to the idea that i mean it's important for firms out there no matter your size to have a good data privacy and 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 just just data policies in place to restrict the uh, the exposure of confidential information client information or internal corporate information and to have that fairly sweeping so that you can adapt those policies to new technologies that come on that you don't immediately have to uh, create a whole new set of policies or procedures. You can just amend the ones that you have if they're written in the right ways, right? It's 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 the important note of of making sure that you actually do have the legwork already done, uh, so that when these new technologies come on the market and everybody's scrambling to use them, that you already have some protection and coverage. Yeah, no, exactly because. You know, it's gonna. There's gonna be the next Chat GPT, the next, and if we're always scrambling to catch up with them when it comes to security and and confidentiality, then we're always gonna be behind. So yeah, those policies need to be in place, and just we need to keep reminding employees that those exist. There'll be new tools and new ways to potentially get into trouble, 
and so we'll help you we'll help you navigate that so that that's been our approach at this point and um you know based on how things have evolving it, it we're i think we're pretty happy with that that path so far now when i was talking to the group you know offline i they, they mentioned the development of kind of your own bespoke set the program i think it was called ram if i'm not mistaken uh, uh, we're or, calling it bucky which is bucky, yeah, bucky, name, that's yeah. our that's the name of our uh, our mascot <laughs> so i that and, and so with bucky i mean that's that the future of the of, of the technology it seems like and i heard this because you know we the, we had a we had a group of of engineering executives in town, and we had a media dinner with them. And we talked to some reporters about emerging issues with engineering, and AI came up. And it seemed as though everybody at the, around the table was talking about how their individual firms were kind of developing their own bespoke tools and branding them and having them kind of as an internal thing. With Bucky, I mean, is that internally focused right now, or or are you? hoping to turn that at some point into something that you could actually offer as a, as a service or an enhancement to your existing services for clients. So right now it is internal and the, you know, we, we look closely at, you know, should we just be, should we be developing anything at all or should we be using, you know, commercial off the shelf offerings? And we're, we're, we're pursuing the, this, you know, internal path for a couple of reasons. The first one is we need to be engaged with AI. You know, we need to understand it. And if we're not, if we don't start now, we'll just be getting behind as in, and as new things come out, we're not going to be able to catch up. So one good reason to get engaged with it in the first, at all is just to understand it. And so we understand when new things evolve, how to apply them to our company. The next reason is there's these external tools and while they can do likely the same thing that our internal tool will be capable of, it's going to be a little more cumbersome from the standpoint of if I want to use um, OpenAI to analyze documents, I need to you know compile my own data set and then I need to feed it into it and then it can read it and then it can give me something back. With our internal tool, we're compiling the, the key data sets that we want that so they will exist and you won't need to feed those in to ask it questions about those data sets. So it, we're trying to make the user experience a lot easier and simpler so that they're not having to go through extra steps, spend extra time making sure they have the right information to do their analy analysis. So it's we're, we're trying to take that kind of busy work to, and just get it so people can get the answers they want quickly with an internal tool that's aimed at the data that we want them to be looking at. So when you look at, I'm just wondering about it on the implementation again. I mean, when you when you opened this up and you kind of sanctioned the use of AI, what? How did you approach it from a departmental standpoint? I mean, was it first kind of the the non, I guess the the, the non client work? Was it more of the internal, uh, you know, firm management and operational side of the house? Um, and 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 if so, did you? I how did you kind of broach it and, and spread it from there? So, you know, with our with our internal tool, and I'll speak to I guess for, for the tool in general, you know, we're just kind of letting people do what they might do with it. Um, now, as we've created this internal tool for our specific internal using our specific internal data, we we. You know, before we even could get started on developing anything, we probably had five use cases that had been brought to our attention 
like, hey, we want to do this with it. We want to do that with it. You know, a lot of people who had initial exposure thinking of ways to use it. And so we went through a process, developed a business case around, you know, what initial um, use case do we think could give us the most value with the least effort? And so we, we did go through that process, developed a business case, looking at different options, and um, it selected one to to pursue kind of as a first, you know, first case. And and as we were developing that case, people were hearing about that. And at this point, we probably have three different use cases kind of going in parallel. And initially, these are more focused. We kind of started at um, things that kind of our back office types of things, proposals and quality management and knowledge transfer types of use cases. We see that can expand towards more engineering tool, kind of outward focused eventually. But we wanted to keep the, there's a lot of excitement and I think it's just like it did externally, we see it growing quickly. And so we're, we're really trying to keep it contained to some extent so we can get it done and correct because if we let it get too big too fast, we're we're going to have you know disappointment in the tool. So, so it is challenging from that regard to keep the audience of user audience small enough to where we can maintain you know their perceptions and keep them satisfied in what it's doing for them and not let it just explode and mm-hmm. and have a bunch of disappointed users. Yeah, I guess with any new technology, it's you know it gets exciting really quickly. So it's kind of like managing expectations and maintaining the enthusiasm for the product or for for the service with those kind of small control groups. Um, I mean, I don't really see AI kind of going anywhere. If anything, it's just going to strengthen and get more robust over time. Um, You know, with... I, I always wonder, like, you know, there are more firms taking advantage of, there are more firms that are actually starting to use it for their own business practices. Where do you see this pushing the firm in the future in terms of the fact that you have all these um, uh, potential business use cases? You have the necessary step of creating the data sets and all the information that you need to plug in to the tool to be able to properly analyze and, 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 and have an end result that makes sense. Do you see the need over time for a lot more data specialists, people who might not specifically be engineers, but might be more computer scientists or programmers to kind of offset, you know, the, 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 the use of the, of the, of the software. I I don't see that as much as how do I want to say this? I guess you think about like people needed to further the use of the technology in the company. Um, we definitely will need people to help maintain the interface to maintain the data sets. Um, so I guess that, that I guess that is a little bit on that data technologist side. Um, I don't see it being a huge addition. I mean, the secret to any firm, you know, any firm's success is their knowledge. And so we still need those engineers and those um, professionals out there, you know, building the data sets that we'll be using. And so, you know, yeah, we will be adding staff to help support those data structures and managing the information and getting it in the right places. So so that is a new a new skill set we will be adding 
to help maintain and create and maintain AI as it expands. I, I think there's still a lot of learning as we go to see where that right size is and and how much you know what skills we we actually need. I think with anything software wise, the user experience from a I guess implementation standpoint is getting simpler. You don't need to be you know, you're not deep in creating you know C code anymore. You're using more sophisticated languages that make the whole process a little easier. It's so probably the key skill sets we are looking for are more people who understand the architecture and how the data needs to flow. And that's I think that's really the key for success is is that to know what needs to happen where and how to properly connect things in the simplest way possible and not create redundancies and you know data sets that can get stranded and not updated or then accessed in you know inadvertently that aren't supposed to so it's um, that makes sense it's more of an architecture and strategy that i think is key rather than the you know a lot of people pushing data around yeah yeah, we we just started up a technology committee because you know all of these um, emerging technologies or, or technologies that have been out there for a while and are now you know widely adopted. You know, we're trying to get a handle on them and and then get into the the not really looking at you know what is it what is it you know the we're looking at the threats of course potential threats to the industry, but we're also looking at how firms could take advantage of them and stay ahead of the curve. Uh, you know, it's this new territory for us. And I guess from your perspective as a, as a as a as a chief you know digital officer, you know what would you expect from a group like ACEC or you know the ASEs of the world, the the the, the trade associations that are out there kind of dealing with issues within the industry? I mean, you know, what would be helpful for you? Where do you think that we fit, and and, and how do you think that? Um, you know what would be beneficial from you for 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 seeing you know in, in develop. Um, on our end of the house, uh, to help you guys do your businesses, uh, you know, right by the technology, and then also, you know, make use of it in the in the best way possible. That's a good question. Um, having not thought specifically about that, my the first place I, I go is thinking about the proper mixture of using. AI and using engineering judgment that, you know, having some, we're going to have to decide when, you know, when is something developed by AI is good enough on its own compared to when does it need an engineering stamp and when does it need that professional oversight? And so what, where's that line and who's going to decide that and who's going to help form those standards around you know, how much can be done, how far can we go and still have it meet, um, you know, our engineering, you know, professional engineering responsibilities to, to the public, right? That, um, so, so I think, I think an association, you know, organization like, you know, ACEC, I mean, I thinking about those kinds of things would be very helpful because right now we're just, I think everybody's going to be trying to figure out their own line and they'll, how that works. So to have that more standardized and and a poli- some guidelines in place would be would be helpful. 
for firms out there that are that are smaller firms that maybe not have uh, the large IT staffs. I mean, how do you think they should start approaching this? I mean, I, I power has the ability to kind of take a look at this and set policies and procedures, double check with their legal counsel. I mean, for the smaller guys out there who want to use this, where do you think they should start? That's a, another, another very good question. I think, yeah, because I truthfully, you know, I see technology as a, as a threat to those smaller firms that, you know, the larger firms do have the ability to embrace and potentially develop or accelerate usage of technology such that that differentiates them in a cost fashion that hasn't been the case in the past. Right? Used to, it's always been the smaller firms are less expensive because they have lower overheads. If the larger firms are able to use technology to lower their delivered costs of service, then it, it, you know the paradigm switches a little bit, right? So, I think you know for the smaller firms, if they're to survive, they need to be thinking about how to, you know, do something with it. You know, how to use it to improve the way they deliver and create their products. Now, how do they actually do that? Um, I mean, I think because it's a new technology, I would think there, there's opportunities with universities partnering with. Um, grad students and other other ways like that to potentially get some assistance to accelerate it that maybe would be less cost solution. And but then that all takes time, you know, takes time away from from doing engineering work. So how do you balance that? I, I mean, I, there's there's going to have to be an investment made that they're not used to making potentially. But I, I say all that, but then I've seen small firms that are so creative and come up with these new products and and so there's very motivated people in those firms. So I, I don't doubt they'll figure it out, um, you know, in most cases, because, I mean, I see some of the most creative stuff coming out of small firms. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the, you know, size, I, I don't think that a small firm should look at this and be scared saying, well, it's, it's too big. We can't do it. I think that's where the innovation comes in. Um, it should, they shouldn't shy away from it, but they should be smart about it, of course. And it seems like, you know, when you say about, you know, threat, you know, it's, 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 everybody kind of looks at, at AI and I guess they kind of fall into two camps. Either it's going to revolutionize society and make it better, or it's going to be the end of all things and, you know, the, the AI apocalypse. There's got to be a there, you know, it's more of an opportunity. And I think it's up to the engineering firms themselves to like turn it into an opportunity. Um, but it's it's an important thing for firms to talk about. Um, and, you know, I'll put a plug in for the fall conference that's happening uh, in October, um, you know, next really in a couple of a couple of days, really the 15th of October. I mean, it's a good opportunity to get together and talk about these things. Uh, so, you know, we want to want to want to encourage ACC members to come to these events and actually talk about them, get involved with the committees because the, you can get, you can share ideas and you can share thoughts in a, in an environment that allows you to, to do so in, 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 in a way that's, it's, it's not, you know, you don't have to worry about non-compete or you have to worry about, you know, anything like that. So um, it, it's, it's good to get involved, but it's good to talk about it. So, you know, that's my plug for, for anybody out there who hasn't registered yet to register. Um, Nathan, I, I I do appreciate your time. I mean, we're coming up on 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 a on a, a running a little bit 
right around the time where we like to wrap up, you know, a good, good half an hour is, uh, is usually our, our sweet spot on the podcast. Um, you know, what, I guess, where do you see, you know, after, after chat GPT, I mean, what do you think is going to be the next thing? I, I, I hate the, to prognosticate this, but I mean, this came out of kind of nowhere if you weren't paying attention to it. What do you think the next development of the technology is going to be? I think I mean, we're already seeing things with image creation, and I've seen some pretty innovative things that are taking um, kind of some basic designs and maybe allowing you to easily alter those and show kind of you know, different types of architectural views or so I, I see it really changing the way we interact with the image images we use, you know, and I, you know, and I'm thinking more visual than actual construction initially, but that that'll, it'll really, you know, help in that space to allow people to visualize what's going to be constructed and allow a much more engaging experience to potentially modify it, tweak it, and, and just see what's possible. So that's where I think I see things going next, just based on what what's you know out there right now and how far along that's coming. So that'd be my that'd be my estimate or guess, yeah. best guess. I agree with you. I agree I agree with you because I the stuff I use with Adobe on kind of the uh production of, of graphical um, um, products, the, the, the implementation of AI for that, for the ease of uh, creation and manipulation of images. And if you're able to refine it to the point where you can do that with a plan and, and actually manipulate the plan in such a way where it makes sense through AI, uh, it started, you know, everything starts with text and then moves to visual. So that's, that's probably the next area. So that's something to watch out for as well. So maybe we can, we can talk about that down the line. Yeah, definitely. So, Nathan uh, Bingham, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's, it's, you know, again, this is a, a rapidly changing environment, and technology is something else. It's, it's, it's going to revolutionize a lot. Uh, but we're trying to get our hands around it, trying to get our arms around it. So, I appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Fantastic. And again, this has been Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And we will see you next time where we'll probably dive a little bit more into AI. And then we're going to look at some uh, uh, digital twins and machine learning and the like. So stay with this series. It's going to be great. And uh, look forward to uh, the next episode. So take care. Take care.